Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. 
All right, and we're still waiting on the Jets, or at least the announcement. That's Mecky Becton of uh, offensive tackle from Louisville. Definitely projected to go fairly high in this draft. Michael, tell us about Mecky. We uh, appeared to lose Michael. Oh no, Michael, Michael, Michael! All right, Michael is losing. Michael is losing his video again, and if he comes back, he can talk with us. <laughs> but uh, one of the highest-rated right. tackles in this draft, uh, Becton is, and uh, saw a fair amount of Twitter traffic today. One in, in particular trying to goad uh, Zrebeck into yep. finding a way that the Ravens could trade up and get Mickey Becton, but that wasn't about to happen. Well, the Ravens do have a bunch of extra picks, so um, sure, that's, that I'm sure that could be an option, that they could do some type of move, but this would be a big jump. I think most of the scouts really had Becton going in the first round, and he has, of course, gone in the first round. There's other groups who didn't have him as high on their big board, and, uh, you know, other people that thought maybe he's a guy who would convert from tackle to guard in the NFL. Uh, there, there are a few of those always in the first round where maybe they don't convert permanently, but they convert for a year or two, like um, Assembly did or uh, like um, Ogden did for 1996 only to, to get in there and play left guard while Jones was still at left tackle for the Ravens. So uh, 6'7", 364, he's an absolute monster of a man, and uh, it'll be exciting. I can't imagine as much in the way of combine measurables that go with that. 23 reps, that's good. 35 and 5'8 arms, that's fantastic. Unbelievable 40-yard dash, frankly, for his size at 364 pounds, ran a 5'1", That's wow. absolutely outstanding. So uh, – uh, he'll he'll be an interesting guy. Got huge hands, almost eleven inches. That lock on ability, lock lock out and lock on uh, with those big arms. So uh, it's uh, all right. Play will be good for the Jets. That's great for them. Um, all right. So now the Raiders are on the clock. Is this when we continue to look at Ravens? There's a lot of Raven fans that want wide receivers. Clearly, the Raiders will also want a wide receiver tonight, right? Yeah, pretty good chance the Raiders draft a wide receiver. It's It would also be possible with one of their two picks here at, or at number 19 that they draft a quarterback, as we've mentioned before. So I think either of those are a, a legitimate possibility. So uh, we'll see where it goes. And and uh, and uh, I think the Ravens would be better suited if the wide receivers last longer. But I get the feeling that when they when there is a start, to select wide receivers, there will be quite a run on them where we'll see about half of the picks be wide receivers for about a um, 12 or 14 pick stretch. Well, yeah, when you look at when you look at the teams that are coming up after the Raiders uh, with the 49ers, Tampa, Broncos, that's definitely teams that have their quarterback kind of set and could definitely use a wide receiver. Yeah, there's certain, all three of those could take a wide receiver. I think the Broncos are one of the teams that, that might – uh, be considering a quarterback or at least trading the pick down to somebody else who would use it on a quarterback. So, All right. So uh, while my, Michael, it appears that his internet has gone out, which again, he's taken one for the team so that the Casa's internet continues to work. But Very good. Uh, Ken, let's bring it. Uh, Dylan's jumping in here and he, uh, talking about wide receivers. He wants to know what your thoughts are on Antonio Brown. 
And, you okay, know, I mean, with photos of Lamar time... and Antonio together, and Lamar made some comment about how he likes Antonio. Any chance John Harbaugh, Steve Bashotti would ever allow this happen to happen? I I can't see how they how they'd allow it to happen either. I mean, they've been through uh, the Ray Rice situation. I don't. I think as an organization, they never want to go through something like that again. But even if Antonio Brown is being basically good. He's still going to want the ball under all circumstances and probably not be happy in the sort of offensive system the Ravens run. I mean, one of the things that they'll need for Antonio Brock coming out of the slot is they need to be him to be an aggressive blocker, run blocker. And, you know, if you're Antonio Brown and you're at this age, I mean, you guys, he's got these hands, you know, have been touched by God and whatnot. And they, they don't want to do anything but but go catch the football and maybe he needs a little dose of the old coach thing of no block no rock um you know he, he has to come in and be a part of a team at this point uh not be his own guy and and find some way to avoid the off-field troubles at this point because it, it, it's just been continuous all right well the raiders pick is in so we're waiting for the announcement but i mean the Raiders, this was supposed to be the big team, the big flash. The draft's in Las Vegas. They got a new city, a new stadium. Clearly, they want this pick to be a new face of the organization and flashy new toy. The, they're certainly known, and they have lived up to that reputation once again. Henry Ruggs is the guy, the fastest guy at the Combine, if I believe, ran 427. There might have been one defensive back who was in the same range. But uh, he was very upset that he didn't break the record of 422 by John Ross. Um, he's the fastest guy, and I think most people had him behind Lamb and Judy, or at least Lamb, in terms of his overall qualities as a receiver. Extremely explosive player. Uh, certainly, I think if, if Michael were here, he'd be talking about that. But, uh, you know, just projects to be a fantastic pass catcher at the next level, and it's a Mayock pick. So I'm sure that, uh, you know, they they believe they've considered everything and they're not just allowing the old Al Davis influence of getting the best combine measurables guy as their as their draft pick is the is the right thing to do. So uh, exciting uh, for for Raiders fans, I'm sure. I think it's probably a good thing uh, for the Ravens that the wide receivers start coming off the board. Uh, having all three of those off the board would be nice. Uh uh, you know, certainly before 28 and, and hopefully more guys before 28 to allow the Ravens to get a defensive player that they'd like to get. Right. So they, so they get rugs, which come on, you should have been able to predict that, that Gruden would want the flashy guy. Of course. Yeah, you, got, you got the speed guy. I mean, I really associate that with Al Davis more that, that it's, that okay. it's, it's a Raiders thing, but it's certainly, I mean, they've reached for offensive tackles. I'm trying to remember the guy was Colton Miller or whoever it was a few years ago. I just incredible combine skills. And they you know, it was projected generally to go in about the fourth round and they took him 16 or 18 overall. It was, you know, that kind of weird last year. Um, Cleland Farrell who was a pass rusher of some note in the draft, but most people had, at the bottom of the first round, you know, 15 to 20, 13 to 24, maybe in that range that Farrell would be taken. Mayock absolutely loved him and they took him number four overall. And he said he tried like hell to trade down because he knew he, you know, the, the, uh, the trade, the, the, the pick was not an economical one, but uh, he, he couldn't get it done and he couldn't get any value in exchange for him. And, uh, and he ended up just getting stuck. Uh, so that was uh, 
you know, that's a, another case of a weird pick coming out of Oakland, really changing the order of the draft. Well, not Oakland anymore. Yeah, sorry, Las Vegas. Very good. <laughs> right. Well, in that case, it was Oakland because it was last year, but okay. we'll, we'll all right. over that too much. Sure. San Francisco 49ers are on the clock with just over four minutes to go. A uh, lot of likelihood. I think they take a wide receiver here at this 13th pick again. So my bet would be on C.D. Lamb as being the next guy taken. Uh, but uh, we'll have to wait for that to become official. Pick is not in, and maybe working on trading it as well. Right. He's I mean, now that there's been a now that there's been some movement on wide receivers, don't people get a little nervous and want to make some phone calls, try to jump up? Yeah, quite possibly. And I, I think you know the the 49ers, depending on how far they need to trade down, will probably still get a wide receiver. But they're uh, you know C.D. Lamb. Some people say he's the best receiver in the draft. Some people say it's Judy. Some people say it was Ruggs, I guess, and the Raiders have, have registered their vote as it being Ruggs. But those three guys are really thought to be a, a step ahead of the others. And uh, very interesting. A guy in a bathrobe, it looks like, ready to be selected next. Or that might be Ruggs. I, I don't, I'm not sure who I'm looking at here. Uh, that is Ruggs, I believe. Okay. Because the 49ers do not have their pick in yet. Very good point. Good point. So he could have been getting a phone call and putting on a 49ers hat, but that would be bad form to do that. And uh, right, they're already trying to keep that. reporters from from Twitter. So, all right, and I am working on getting Michael back, as he now said he has lost power as well. Oh, great! So yeah, so things are falling apart in his home. Well, we will not lose power here. You, you might, of course, in Jacksonville. We've got a, we've got a generator, so if we do, it'll only be for about forty-five seconds if it goes off. All right, but yes, all of our broadcast is going through Jacksonville. But I think we're pretty good down here. Okay. Remarkably, Tristan Wirfs, the offensive tackle, still. I mean, maybe not remarkably, given how how big the other guys were and how good they were, but Tristan Wirfs still available uh, out there. We've got. Uh, uh, both of the inside linebackers are still available. Both Queen and um, and Murray are still available. Uh, we have both safeties. Neither has been taken in McKinney and Delpit. We did have, uh, of course, Isaiah Simmons come off the board earlier, who some consider a safety. But uh, uh, but the big board still a lot of talent on it, and uh, I'm still hopeful that uh, that the Ravens will get one of their guys. All four of my guys still on the list. And once again, in order for me. It's Javon Kinlaw, who they're not going to get unless they trade up. Uh, it is Xavier McKinney of Alabama. The safety would be the second most likely good one that I like. Uh, Grant Delpit would be the third. And number four, A.J. Epinesa of Iowa, who uh, would give them some of the pass rush and edge setting that they missed so badly last year. So uh, still four good ones on the board. The 49ers have traded the pick to the Buccaneers, the, one of the first trade, the first trade of the night. And we'll see their pick in a moment. Well, actually, the Buccaneers are on the clock. They haven't turned in their card yet. And so now Tampa Bay, presumably they traded the 14th pick, but as it stands currently, they have the 13th and 14th pick. But almost certainly right. they traded the 14th pick and maybe a fourth-round pick or something in addition to a uh, third or fourth yeah, it'd be very, spot. It'd be very impressive if they could jump up and take back-to-back -back wide receivers in 13 and 14 and really lock it up. Yeah, I mean, they'd be trading away their future to do it because they have to trade something. Right. O.J. Howard would probably be in that in that group along with draft picks. But, 
You know, it's interesting at this exact point, it was 13 and 12 in 2006, the Ravens traded with the Browns and moved up to take a Lodinata one spot. And all they had to give was a sixth round pick. Now, just to put that, put a relative value on that, a sixth round pick where the Ravens had it was maybe worth about eight to 10 Jimmy Johnson points, that kind of range. Whereas the difference between 12 and 13 is about 50 Jimmy Johnson points. So they fleeced them to start with. And it was an old Raven employee, Phil Savage, who made the trade with the uh, uh, with the Ravens, and they got a Lodinata, and the the Browns got Cameron Wimbley. And needless to say, the Ravens really won that trade. So yeah. uh, this is an interesting one, moving up one spot here. Yeah. So Michael, are you back with us? I am. Can you hear me? All right, we can we can hear you well. And uh, Dan jumped in with exactly that question. Why would you make a trade for one slot? Well, because you think the trade, the, the player is going to be traded, either picked by that team or traded to another team. The, the pick is going to be traded elsewhere. So in going back to 2006 again, um, the, the thought was that Nada would be gone at 12, whether it was to the Ravens or to the Eagles, who later drafted Broderick, Broderick Bunkley, who was not nearly as good a player as Nada was. So uh, uh, the Ravens made a, made a good choice, traded up. The Eagles refused to because they didn't think that the Browns were going to take a defensive tackle, and they were picking two picks later. Uh, so they, uh, they got a guy they liked. And uh, the rest is history. Okay, interesting to see who this Bucks pick is. Do, who do you think? They, they traded up a spot. Are they going for a wide receiver, Michael? Or who are they going for? Uh, honestly, I'm just getting called up because I lost internet and then I lost power in the whole house. Uh, so I'm not really okay, sure what's... what has happened. Oh, that's that's true. Me. You are called right now that you lost power. You can't have the TV on in front of you either to see what's going on. I, I was looking at it on my phone. I actually I'm using my wife's phone uh, <laughs> to watch it on her phone and talk to you guys on my phone. So, so trying uh, to follow along. See the the same thing any NFL GM is going to have to do tonight if. Power goes out. Well, I, didn't, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a plan. <laughs> so Jedrick Wills uh, went to the Browns. I think you were here for that. Mecky Becton to the Jets at number 11. Then the Raiders, you might have missed. They took Henry Ruggs, very Raiders-like pick. They took the speed combine guy at number 12, even though Al Davis' influence is supposedly not there anymore. Uh, and now we have the Buccaneers at number 13. And two of the three big wide receivers are still there. Who would you see the Buccaneers drafting? We just you get five seconds to say before Goodell does. Uh, yeah, I, I got it. I don't know if it'd be one of the wide receivers though. You think about the guys they have there with Godwin and Mike Evans already, and then they just added Gronk. Obviously, uh, I don't Back know up. that it would possibly uh, if if there's if there's one of the top projected guys still on the board. Tristan Wirfs, there he is. Okay, and Tristan Wirfs was the one who was left. So. Most of the top tackles now are gone. Uh, tell us about Worfs. Yeah, Worfs, uh, you know, a lot of people probably learned about his name from the combine. He put on a real show there in terms of his athletic testing. Uh, you know, played right tackle at Iowa. Uh, you know, people probably have some sense of Iowa offensive linemen, even if you're not a big, big, you know, college football fan, you might have heard uh, of them and, and kind of their track record with putting out quality offensive linemen into the NFL, obviously Marshall Yonda from Iowa. Um, so, you know, a guy who played in a zone heavy run scheme, so moves well laterally, uh, big, strong, physical guy. Um, 
I mentioned to you that I had, you know, at least a question as to why he played right tackle primarily uh, at, at Iowa as opposed to left tackle, which is, you know, perceived to be the more kind of premium spot of, of, of the two tackle spots. But, you know, there could be reasons for that. But that, that'd be uh, my one question about, uh, about him. Other than that, you know, very good player. Yeah, all, he has all sorts of left tackle qualities. The arm length of 34 inches is kind of the minimum I would want in a left tackle, but still fine. Good hand size, 6'5", 320. This, is, this really stands out. 40-yard dash for a man, 320 pounds, 4.85 seconds. That is blazing. I mean, that is there is an, there are only a couple of defensive linemen who are in that same range of between four, about 78 and 485, and they're not quite built as thickly as Worfs is. So that's really astounding. His broad and vertical jump, you know, really belie a certain amount of explosiveness that should really help in the run block. Yeah, also has uh, a wrestling background. If you're looking for, you know, other, you know, other sport background outside of football, wrestling background, and something that I'm, I'm, I'm actually a, a fan of. Also, a track and field background as a uh, a shot put thrower. Uh, it, it's something that I kind of started to notice over the last couple of years. If you go back and look at a lot of the really good offensive linemen, uh, even in the NFL, and trace them back to their college and high school careers and things they've done other than football, you'll see a lot of shot put and even some discus throwers in there. So um, it's something I heard Joe Thomas, you know, former uh, Cleveland Browns, you know, you know, all all pro Hall of Fame tackle, talk about uh, how a lot of that movement uh, in the shot put translates to offensive line. Right. We're seeing, we're seeing highlights of Worfs right now as we speak. And, and I noticed two things on consecutive pass sets. He sets pretty deeply. So on the right side, it looked like a, on the first one, he was comfortable blocking a guy across the inside of the line of scrimmage for injury purposes. I don't like seeing that, but Hey, he's effective doing it at least in terms of maintaining his block. The second one, he really seems to use the back pylon of the pocket effectively, meaning he's blocking the guy all the way to the back corner where the quarterback minimally can step up to, to throw. So guys who really understand that well are, are, uh, are a value, but he seems to like to take a half step backward to set up in pass protection more than what I, I am used to seeing from other left and right tackles. All right. I don't know if we lost Michael during the phone call as well. Oh, no, I'm, I'm still right. here. Okay, I'm you're there. <laughs> I'm All right, no here. problem. No, I was, I was, you're just I was focused on trying I, to see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I think I might have, I might have a little lag on my end, but I don't, I don't know if they, they showed any clips of him playing left, uh, left tackle. That's why I said primarily right tackle. Because he did play some left tackle at Iowa, so I didn't want to, you know, make it seem like he, he never played on the left side because he did. Yeah, let me see what we've got here in terms of his split. It looks like, he was about uh, 80% right tackle this last year or a little bit more, but he did have, uh, according to PFF, almost 200 snaps at left tackle. Yeah, so I don't want to shortchange him and, and you know, <laughs> make it sound like, oh, this guy, you know, can't can't play on the left side. He did, but uh, it, it's at least a question to me, uh, you know, why, why I'd like to, to know why he played more on the right than the left. Yeah, one thing at the at the NFL level, really need to take care of your other line mates. It's a long season, and when you block a guy across the pocket, across the inside of the pocket, along the back legs of your line mates, 
that generally can be a, a, a very dangerous proposition in terms of injuries. So especially you don't want to finish that off with a pancake block into your own guy. Uh, so hopefully he's, he ends up being well coached on that at the NFL level. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely not something you want to see because uh, you're right. There's a, a a very very high injury risk when you do that. I mean, those guys, they you know they can't see right when you're blocking that guy across and then driving him into the back of their legs. They don't know what's going on back there. So, uh, really dangerous situation. So yeah, hopefully that's something that gets cleaned up and uh, is not uh, not something we see anymore. All right, so now that the 49ers are on the clock again, it's ticking along. Um, what do you th- what do you guys think this means? They go back to the whole uh, – they're going back to a wide receiver or still trying to trade back? My, I'm guessing wide receiver. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm thinking they made that deal because, you know, they, they, they had some certainty that, um, you know, Tampa Bay wasn't going to take – a wide receiver and so they figured hey move back one spot I don't know what else they picked up in terms of compensation but uh, I, I, I have to think this is for a wide receiver but even if they did feel like they wanted a wide receiver and they weren't sure Tampa Bay wouldn't take one they still would the Judy and Lamb are both still on the board so if they're more or less ambivalent towards the two of them they may as well get some additional draft capital out of it yep agreed I'd, I'd say another guy who, you know, maybe some might think this would be a little bit high for him. I'd, I'd keep an eye on Justin Jefferson uh, at this spot, too, if they do go wide receiver. I think when you think about Kyle Shanahan and kind of wide receivers um, that I think uh, he looks for in his offense, you know, route running is a premium, right, for him. He, he, he loves guys who are, you know, you know, very technically skilled route runners. And uh, I'd, I'd say of that group, Judy certainly is in that group, but I think Justin Jefferson's in that group as well. Um, so, you know, that that's a, another name I'd throw in that group. Now, this is interesting because we're on the 14th pick here now, and it's been almost two hours since the show started anyway, two hours since the uh, draft was supposed to start, which is unusually long. But, you know, another thing that creates longer times is failed draft. Uh, sorry, failed trades. So people want to trade, but there's nobody to trade with. And we've only had two trades, of course, in this first round. So maybe it's a case of there's more phone calling going on to try and get rid of those picks to wait out the clock and whatnot uh, than there is typically. And it sounds like the 49ers got a fourth round pick for making that move. Okay. Do we know what number? I can probably look it up, but we can evaluate. I do not know. So, in any case, a fourth-round pick is going to have a value of approximately 50. San Francisco's particular fourth-round pick. Now, San Francisco got the pick from Tampa Bay, right? So, Tampa Bay's right. fourth-round is about 60. And it's a fairly even trade there uh, between 13 and 14, a 50-point difference and a 60-point value to that fourth-round pick. So, a tiny little pickup for San Francisco, so probably a good one. All right, and they took it down to like 25 seconds, but the 49ers have made their pick. So maybe they were trying to make another move, but they're locked in now, right. so we just got to wait and see. Yeah. They've shown both Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb, so we'll see. No Kinlaw taken yet. We're starting to get excited about the possibility of a trade up for Kinlaw if he's not taken in about the next three to five picks. I am. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about you, but 
the fact that he's still on the board at this point, uh, I'm I'm excited about that. I mean, it's it's definitely at least a possibility. And and man, just the thought about. Oh uh, damn it! I jinxed it. They just took him. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Oh. Okay, first is. of the four guys, not really a realistic possibility. The Ravens end up getting him. Boy, the wide receivers are lasting. They're lasting a lot longer than right. people thought. Yeah, so much for that run. Yeah. And, hey, for the 49ers, uh, they they traded to Forrest Buckner to get to that, that 13th pick, which, which of course, they then traded with Tampa Bay. And now they go out and, and replace, you know, a really good defensive lineman uh, with another really good defensive lineman, Jaquan Kinlaw. Yeah, an extra fourth-round pick out of the deal. That really seems like a very good exchange, given Buckner you're paying full market value for since he's uh, he's no longer on his rookie deal. Or if he's on his rookie deal, it's the last year of it. I don't think I, I think he's past that, in fact. But but anyway, they'll have to they'll have to pay big money. Kinlaw is a, a great fine boy. Kinlaw doesn't even look big next to the rest of his family, if that's what I'm looking at there. And he's enormous. He's six six, three hundred. Yeah, he, he carries looks- that weight. He he carries that weight like a guy who's it's hard to describe it. He doesn't carry it like a guy who who when you hear those numbers you expect maybe to see like a wider body or something uh-huh. like that, but he, he, he carries that weight like a linebacker. <laughs> yeah. He's very, he's, he's very, very even top to bottom build, not all sand in the pants they, they, that squared off or a gourd like build that people like in guards almost is, is uh, maybe more of that description, but his is more squared off top to top to bottom, obviously very athletic. Yeah. And I'm, I'm watching on my own, on my wife's phone here, I, I probably missed some of. I, I definitely missed some of the reactions, but he looked pretty happy there. I think some of the other the other reactions I saw earlier on were pretty reserved. He looked pretty excited. Yeah, unless that was his dad. But I thought, you know, he had the hair. I thought that that Kinlaw standing next to his dad was basically the same height, and there were other people standing around who were a little bit smaller, like um, in front of him. But but there were there wasn't. Uh, Holy mackerel. Is that right? Is he up to 324 pounds? Because I thought he was like 302 at the combine. Is that what they're reporting you, Matt? 324? Yeah, that's what they just reported him at on, on uh, NFL Network. So I'm going to have to check that out. Huh. See if that makes sense. Well, that's- I mean, that's, that, that's obviously a pretty significant difference. But you do hear all the time about guys really cutting weight to try to run fast uh, at the combine. I don't even know if he ran. Uh, but, you know, you, you hear those stories. Okay, at the combine, it's listed at six six three zero two, and it does not appear like he went to the combine. I think that I remember that being the case. Okay. But he, so he doesn't have any any measurables from there. But six six three zero two becomes six six three twenty four, and something tells me that might not be right. Um, and I I hear it both ways, but I think I hear more often, Michael, that people try and pick up twelve or fifteen pounds to show they can carry the rate and still run with it at the NFL level. Uh, so we had definitely had some defensive linemen who picked up weight to get over 300 for this draft. Oh yeah, maybe yeah. You definitely, you, you definitely hear it both ways. You hear about guys maybe trying to cut weight a little bit if they're going to run at the combine, but no. You to your point, you definitely hear about guys trying to add weight uh, as they approach OTAs and training camp. 
uh, maybe maybe Ravens fans will remember something uh, Tim Williams talked about when he was here. <laughs> I know it's not a name people probably really want to hear, but uh, he talked about coming out of Alabama, how he, he threw on 10 or 15 pounds, and he felt like it really kind of slowed him down his rookie year, but he felt like he needed to get bigger. You know, to, to, to be physically bigger and stronger uh, to, to primarily, you know, in the run game. But he felt like it slowed his pass rush down. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it definitely happens that way, too. All right. Denver has made their pick here at number 15. I hate to even guess anymore who it might be, but uh, they've, that's a team with a fair number of needs. Where would you see them doing? They've made the picks. They didn't trade it, which is certainly a possibility in their case. Where, where do you think they'll go? Yeah, you're right. They do. They do have a lot of needs. <laughs> um, I could see wide receiver, somebody to compliment Court and Sutlin, who kind of emerged last year. Uh, it's kind of their number one guy. Um, you know, the, we kind of had the run on the tackle, so I, I, I could definitely see them wanting to get some help on the offensive line. But I don't know if there's anybody there right now that makes sense. Um, you know, maybe maybe you think about one of the inside linebackers. That feels a little early to me, but you know, you mm-hmm. never know. So they've, they, I think wide receiver would be a possibility. Are they are they set at quarterback? Do they think that Drew Locke is their guy, or what are they? Uh, uh, well, <laughs> you know, with with uh, with John Elway, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think they feel like he's the guy that they're going to try to move forward with for you know the the immediate future. So yeah, I, I think from that standpoint, uh, they they're 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 you know I don't want to use the word set because who knows, but they feel like he's their guy right now. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would not be surprised if they're looking to, you know, add, add some pieces around him in, in some, you know, shape, form or fashion. Okay. So here's the pick. It's Jerry Judy of Alabama. So that's wide receiver number two off the board. Uh, you, you know, certainly a player and, and this is a place where, where it would have been possible for one of the inside linebackers to go. So if you think, if you really want the Ravens to draft one of those two inside linebackers at 28, uh, I'm still hopeful they won't trade up to get one, but it's it's certainly possible one could fall to that range uh, at this point because the, the the there are other spots, but the Broncos were one of the teams that might have been drafting one. Yeah, that's true. And then you know, there's there's at least from what I've seen on Twitter and, and sort of the Ravens you know community on Twitter, there's there's a lot of love for CD Lamb at wide receiver, and you know he's still on the board and you know could come off you know, quickly here. Maybe we're starting to see that run on wide receivers, but he's still there right now. Um, and I certainly saw my fair share of people who were who were willing to <laughs> to, to consider a trade up to go get CD Lamb. I'm, I'm not necessarily in that camp, even though I really like him. Uh, it, you know, it all it all it all comes down to to, to compensation, but uh, you know, that that's still that's still out there. It's a large group out there, but I've just seen five tweets in the last 15 seconds at, <laughs> encouraging CD Lamb. Okay, now it's seven. There you go. <laughs> it's a there you go. Now, There's a lot of love. We understand the love. We really do. That's a lot of value the Ravens have to trade away. They're going to have to trade away another good player to get Lamb when they could have, say, Mims at number 28 if, if he was the alternative. There's, there's a lot of love, as you said. And then you also, people people want to make the Oklahoma connection. They, they know that DaCosta likes to shop at Oklahoma in terms of acquiring players. And so they like to draw that connection, too. But you also got to wonder why this guy who was projected to be the first wide receiver off the board is still there. A little slow. Yeah. 
your receivers at the dra- at the uh, combine. It was my recollection. He was up there around in the four forties. Nothing. It wasn't super special. Might even be four point five. Yeah, I think he ran in the four or five. So, um, you know, there's there's you know maybe maybe some concerns about the long speed there. Um, but you know, if, when you watch him play and you watch how he plays, uh, he certainly has enough speed, in my opinion. Uh, he's a guy who, you know, attacks the ball. Uh, you know, the the yards after catch ability is, is probably the strength of his game. So, you know, great once he gets the ball in his hands and after the catch. Um, so I, I think he's plenty fast. But, um, you know, it, it is interesting, Josh, that, that, you know, a lot of people had him as the projected number one, and, and he's still there. This is this is remarkable because – but there's a couple guys from the SEC who are up in this level. Okay, this is the Sooners. But um, 11 yak per reception. And that goes with an yeah. average depth of target of 13.2. So it's not like he's catching all kinds of screen passes. He probably had some, but uh, but that's really remarkable. He did have he had yeah. a, a year, 11 screen receptions for 117. So it's not like uh, that's a big contributing factor to that 11.0. It's probably 11.0 with or without the screens. Yeah, and I, I, I saw a clip earlier today. I forget which Big 12 team it was, but he called a pass. It was like a slant or something. And there were literally like four guys around him, maybe five. And he made all of them. Uh, and so, you know, obviously that's impressive. But the other thing that I thought was, well, you know, the Big 12, Big 12, uh, tackling in the Big 12 is pretty rough uh, at times. So <laughs> that's, that's something that I also thought about. But taking nothing away from him, he's, he's an extremely talented guy. All right. Some comments coming out is uh... – Here's one. Tampa Bay is obviously interesting this year. All eyes are going to be on there with Tom Brady and now Gronk back. Do you think there's enough left in the tank for those two guys to to turn that team around, bring them back in it? What What does that mean? I mean, can can they be an eight and eight team? Could they make the playoffs? playoffs. As well? I th- I think if you're adding Brady to your team, you expect playoffs. Yeah, you're certainly taking a swing. I my my own personal opinion is that Tampa Bay had other problems and is probably not as close as their fans would love to think, and they're investing an unbelievable amount of money in the offense uh, to try and make it work out. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough for me. I mean, I just from the offensive perspective, I want to say, yeah, I think bringing him and Gronk, I mean, look, you know, for Gronk, obviously he has the injuries, but when he left, it really sounded like a guy who, who was leaning more toward taking time off than like a permanent retirement to me. Like he just needed to get away from the game uh, to try to get his body right. So he may still have some things in the tank, but obviously injury is always going to be a factor with him. And with Brady, um, every time I want to bet against that dude, he proves me wrong. And so <laughs> I, I want to say, yeah, I, I don't know. I think this, this this might not, you know, even he might not be enough. But every time I try to bet against him, you know, like I said, he proves me wrong. But I think Tampa Bay defense, uh, even though I think they've got a really solid defensive line, uh, in terms of the guys that got up front there, and then obviously Devin White um, at, at linebacker. So, you know, there's some talent there. But I think their secondary uh, was still an issue last year, and so that's something that they're probably going to look to address. But I think if you can protect Brady, um, you know, he's it, it's kind of a, a symbiotic relationship. Obviously, you got to protect any quarterback. But with him, I actually think he can help an offensive line with how quickly he processes and gets the ball out. 
Um, so I don't, I don't know if you have to be, you know, elite at, at, at offensive line when you've got a guy who can help you out in that way. So I think he gives them a shot at the playoffs. That's a very long-winded way of saying it, but I think he gives them a shot. Do you think Kronk can put the weight back on? He looks like a small guy now when you see him on TV. He does. He looks like a basketball player now, more than a football player, because obviously he's still tall, but he's, he's much leaner now. Um, so I don't know. That's, that's, that's going to that's gonna be an interesting question. And then uh, if he can't, I mean, obviously I think he'll put some on, but if he can't get back to where he was, um, you know, is, is he a different player? Uh, you know, because of that. So that that one, I'm 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 less certain about. I, I'm 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 probably fairly. I, I'd say sixty-eight percent that I think you know Brady gives them gives them a shot at getting to the playoffs. I'm I'm less certain uh, about Grant being able to physically get back to where he was. All right, thinking back to the Ravens here again, and the Falcons still haven't. Oh, now have made their pick at number sixteen. So we'll see that come up in a minute. But Kalevon Chason of LSU, is he a guy that could drop far enough the Ravens consider trading up for him? He's not a guy that was on my radar as being any possibility of the radars, uh, the Ravens getting with the kind of the weak edge class this year. I thought there'd be more demand for him. I thought, frankly, he'd be gone by now. But is he a guy who now could be at 28 or could be at 23, say, and the Ravens reach up to get him? It's possible, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you just did the double jinx. I think Atlanta's going to pick you <laughs> in this spot. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But uh, when I, I think about Atlanta and Thomas Dimitrioff, uh, he always talks about wanting urgent athletes, you know, guys who are just like freak athletes, explosion, speed, athleticism. Uh, Chason has all of those traits. I think the, the thing with him is, you know, you want to see a little bit more refinement, a little bit more polish and consistency, consistency to his game, but I think all the raw athletic traits and physical traits are there. So uh, he certainly could, but uh, I got a, I got a feeling he's going to go probably pretty soon here. Okay, unusual pick just came up. A.J. Terrell, the cornerback from Clemson, picked by the Falcons. Ah. A little bit unexpected, I think we'd agree. Uh, une- unexpected maybe because of the name, but not the, not the position. I think there were a lot of reports out there that they were looking for a cornerback. Uh, I heard that C.J. Henderson uh, linked to them a lot and like maybe making a possible move up because they felt like he wasn't going to get to them. Maybe they tried and it didn't happen. But, um, you know, not surprised by the position. I guess maybe a little bit by the name. But, you know, Terrell was projected to go in the first round. So not, not totally surprised. All right, let's come up with some measurables here for Terrell. Here we are, 442 on the 40. Uh, 34.5 vertical jump is not that great for a corner. 15 ranch reps on the bench is perfectly acceptable at a corner. Um, you know, his, his height is slightly above average at 6'1 for a corner today. That's probably in about the 70, 75th percentile, maybe. 50th is, is six feet. I know that extends down to about the 43rd percentile or something now. So I guess 6'1 is about 75. Um, you know, it's, it's a uh, – I'm not saying he's not a talented player. I'm not saying he doesn't have a good athletic profile. Um, but it's it's still kind of surprising to me that, that he would go here as opposed to the end of the first round or early in round two. I think some of the, 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 the knock – on him or, or maybe, you know, people being a little bit down, you know, 
um, from from fan base standpoint um, was because of you know the, the recency bias kind of thing, right? The last thing you you remember about him was the, yeah. the game against LSU, and you know uh, Ch- <laughs> Jamar Chase lit him up pretty good. <laughs> but I think if you go back and you watch him over the course of his season, you saw a guy who played at a at a higher level, and and, and even in that game, you know, obviously he got hit for a couple of big plays, but I think even in that game. You know, he still played pretty well outside of those big plays. So sometimes I think with with that kind of thing, you know, that that's what leaves the taste in people's mouths. You, you see a couple long touchdowns in a big game that everybody's watching, and you're like, ah, this guy's supposed to go in the first round. But you got to look at the whole body of work, and I think when you do that, you see a, a, a talented guy. All right, just had a nice little graphic up there about the Cowboys since they're three P. They have it was a three out of four, right? They they've had been one of only eight teams that has not made it to a conference championship. And, you know, you still have the Browns and the Bills. No, not the Bills. The Browns and the Lions who've never made a Super Bowl. Uh, I guess Jacksonville is also in that class, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, Jacksonville is right. So and and the Texans, of course, but it's 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 got a pretty thin group of teams that have uh, that have not been in a conference championship since 1996 when the Ravens first joined the league. Of course, the Ravens have played in four. Yeah, they've you know they they've got talent. You know, you think about Zeke Elliott. You know, the offense. You obviously think about Zeke. You think about Dak. Uh, they added Amari Cooper. Um, you know, last last season going into last season. Um, you know, so they definitely have have talent. Um, you know, I think the defensive side of the ball is probably where they're they're looking to to add some some players maybe early here. Here's another spot where Chason could go. Um, you know, in, in terms of you know an additional pass rusher for them. So, um, yeah, they they definitely had a, had a drought there ever since. You know, they were kind of uh, you know riding riding at the top of the league, and and I think defense is has been you know part of the the reason for some of that stagnation. All right, two minutes left on the Cowboys on the clock, so I imagine this pick is coming fairly soon, but the Cowboys may be trying to trade it. Do- uh, Dr. Bulldozer is chiming in on YouTube saying slots 18 through 20 is the sweet spot for trading up. Yeah. He says right. it would take a number 60 to get there. Let me see if I agree with that statement, first of all. He thinks it, we'll have to trade 60. That's what he's saying. Trade 60 to get up to 18 to 20. Yeah, he's approximately correct. That would be 960 points the Ravens would give up to get. Really, they should get more than that for for any one of those picks. They they it's more like, yeah, I mean they should get something back in addition if if they're trading. That's a, that's an overvaluation. They might get a third round pick or a fourth round pick back if they were trading up into one of those three spots. And if you went up, if you did, I'm not saying they should, but if you did. Is there, is there anybody left on the board who you would consider moving up for at this point? I mean, I, I like Chason. I, I like McKinney, but I think he might drop a little bit further. I'm more of a fan of taking the second of McKinney or Delpit, but I do honestly believe McKinney is the better long-term center fielder than Delpit. And, you know, Delpit's been up and down, but but he looks like he could be a slot corner to start with if needed and also play the back end of a – two deep safety formation, but then that yeah. he, it's not as clear to me that he would be the uh, long-term heir to Earl Thomas. Hey, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I like McKinney between those two a little more, uh, 
uh, myself. Um, I, I think in addition to be able to play on that back end, like you just laid out, he also showed, you know, that he has some, some additional versatility, which, you know, coaches always talk about the more you can do. Uh, he essentially had to play, um, you know, uh, a slot, a nickel cornerback role for Alabama this year. He even had to drop down and play a little bit of dime linebacker for them this year. Uh, and, and so he did a little bit of everything. So uh, in addition to that back end, um, you know, capability, he, he gives you that as well. But, yeah, Delph is interesting, man, because every, everything about him, you know, tells you, you know, he, he should be good, right? He should turn out and be a good safety and should be a good fit uh, as a guy who can play back or up. Um, but, you know, you, you, you think about the performance from 2018 to 2019, and I know he mentioned some things about injuries and about being used differently in the defense and, and how that kind of impacted him from 18 to 19. So um, I don't know, but I, I lean towards McKinney. And then, again, you mentioned that I like Chase on. And then, of course, we know the fan base. They, they got to be going crazy. CeeDee Lamb's still sitting there right now. I, I think we just got some good news here. The Cowboys traded er, uh, took C.D. Lamb at this spot which I think is good for the Ravens. There should be receivers available, but this certainly improves their standing in terms of a defensive player at number 28. So uh, Xavier McKinney, Clavon Chason, they're still on the board at, uh, uh, as of now. No, the Miami's back on the board. How many picks does Miami have in this first round anyway? I know it was three originally, but 720 left on the clock uh, for Miami now at number 18. Yeah. Is it three picks? Do they have three in this round or just, I, just I, the two? I, I, let me go back to it because they might have only had two. Didn't they have 13? No, they didn't have 13. So San Francisco had 13. So Miami had five, 18, and 26. Okay. Mm, interesting pick by, by Dallas there. They, they're, uh, they're going all in. All right. What do you like about C.D. Lamb aside from the speed, which is which is not his greatest asset? And even four five forty, I think you talked about him just a little bit earlier. But since we're on the pick, why don't we say a little bit more? Yeah, it's it's the yards after catch game. That's that's the biggest thing that I think he brings to the table. Uh, you get you get the ball in his hands, and like you said, he he did it in a variety of ways at Oklahoma. It wasn't just like quick screens and bubble screens. You know, they were down the field targets. And he just was a, a bear to tackle. You know, guys just couldn't get him on the ground no matter where he caught the ball at. Uh, he's, he's, he's good in the contested catch phase of the game, um, you know, physical from that standpoint, uh, enough leaping ability to go up and attack the ball at the highest point. So um, I think he fits, um, you know, sort of that, that prototypical X receiver role right now. I mean, you know, it, it, some of that stuff kind of, doesn't mean as much as it used to because receivers move around so much anymore. But, um, you know, he, he's a guy who I think can, can over time, I'm not going to say he does it year one, but over time I can see him as a guy who, who could dictate coverage, right? When you're facing up against him from a defensive perspective, you start thinking about brackets and, and, and rolling coverage from a, a safety shade perspective towards him. I think he could be that, that impactful of a guy. And at the top, I was just looking up to compare the yak of the top receivers here because Ruggs was at 10.5, Lamb at 11, and Judy at 7.8 uh, yards after catch per reception. Those are monstrous numbers. Uh, Judy actually had a, a fair amount of short targets, so he got some of his on screen passes. He got, tw well, 22 receptions for 165. I, I can't 
project that exactly to Yak, but it's probably pretty close to 10 if their screen passes are normally behind the line of scrimmage, by maybe nine yards per catch there. But uh, Judy just a little bit lower. And then he drops off, and the next guy is, I think, LaVisca Chenault at 7.5, or actually T. Higgins is also in there with a big number of Yak per reception. I have to look at that to recall exactly what that was. Hmm. The, the, the other names in there certainly don't surprise me. T. Higgins surprised me a little bit. I mean, I watched him, so I mean, I, I know that he definitely has some after catchability, but being a bigger bodied guy uh, out of that group, uh, that surprised me a little bit. But that's, that's, that bodes well for him, right? Because I, I think he's kind of been pigeonholed as the contested catch guy, you know, the high pick guy. Um, I, I, I'm wrong. He, he was 5.8 yards per catch, but the guy I really liked, Denzel Mims, only 2.8 yards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I watched a lot of Denzel Mims, and yeah, there there wasn't a lot going on there after the catch for him. Um, I think some some of it you could you could maybe attribute to the offense there at Baylor and the kind of routes that they had him run. But you know, you you've also gotta gotta kind of ask yourself, okay, well, even when he's running things like slants or or digs or square, you know, in breaking routes, um, you know, if you're catching the ball and not taking immediate contact. Or even if the contact is, is just maybe a step or two off, there's an opportunity there, right, to, to break a tackle or make a move. And, and uh, you know, didn't, I didn't see that a ton when I watched it. Uh, Mims, one of the things was that he was so good at making those sideline catches or catches where he had to be very conscious of either body control or even foot control on the sidelines where – they wouldn't. They aren't opportunities to make a lot of yards after the catch. Diving catches. That's not where you make your yards after the catch as a college receiver, because you're down no. as soon as you go down. Yeah, and you have to. You you always do have to have to factor in the quarterback play uh, at the college level. And I would say that uh, the guy that he was playing with there at Baylor this past year, not not the most accurate guy in the world. So sometimes you got to go after a lot of junk balls. And that really can limit your opportunity. I mean, that was the big thing about Tua. When you look at those guys at Alabama and those yards after catch numbers, you know, a lot of that is the offense. But some of it also is Tua putting the ball right on those guys in stride. So they can do something with it after they catch it. And Mims did not have that uh, consistently at his family. Yeah, Tua throws a beautiful deep ball, really puts, drops the ball in the bucket, not afraid of, from, from sideline to sideline. Outside the numbers is not a problem. I mean, there's a lot to like in Tua in that respect. For sure. And that group that they had there, I mean, obviously we saw the two guys go in this draft with Judy and Drugs, but they still, Devontae Smith, who's there, who might be the best out of the whole group, and uh, Le'Adrian Waddle uh, is also still there too. So, I mean, you, you've got four guys there. Uh, in that group who have an opportunity to all get drafted in the first round. I mean, we'll see what happens next year with the other two guys, but a lot of talent in that wide receiving group. All right, the Dolphins pick is in. This is pick number 18. This is the pick that the Steelers gave up, right? Yes. So this is yeah. uh, Minka Fitzpatrick acquired in exchange for this pick. The, one of the uh, Steelers guys has already pronounced this as the best pick of the first round. Minka at number eighteen. He could be right too. By the way, it's uh, it's not not impossible. That's this ends up being the great value pick, especially since they had to pay a lot less for him than what the Dolphins did. Dolphins ate a bunch of his uh, bonus money. Yeah, when you look at, I mean, it, it it really adds a lot of credence to what that guy says. If you look at how their defense and it was solid before he got there, but you look at what their defense, how their defense played after they got Minka, 
It's, it's hard to argue uh, <laughs> with that. Where do the Dolphins go with this pick? Uh, I assume we're, we'll be going to Goodell here in a moment, but where do you think they're going? Yeah, so they've got their quarterback. Um, you know, I, I, I think that uh, they didn't. Did they take a tackle? You have to refresh my memory. Did they take a tackle as well? This is their second pick, so they've, this they've is got their second the pick. Okay, okay. So, so yeah, that that's what that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking offensive line, but I don't know if there are any of the guys there who you'd want to take uh, at this point. Seems like a lot of the top guys are already off the board. You'd have you know Austin Jackson from USC is a guy who's still out there. This could be a little early for for him there. Um, you know, maybe they look at one of the inside linebackers. Um, you know, maybe they look at a safety. You know, maybe they look at either McKinney or, or Delpit. I can see that happening, uh, particularly okay. Flores coming from that, that Patriot system. They love safety, especially smart safeties. <laughs> so not you're not projecting a pass rusher at this point, so Kalevon Chason may drop, may drop another. Uh, okay, looks like Goodell's ready to announce it here. I guess we're done speculating. Yeah, you could be right. Could be a pass rusher. I should I shouldn't have omitted that. Goodell takes his time to make these announcements. You can continue to speculate. <laughs> Austin Jackson of USC, a very good pick from the Ravens' perspective. Very good pick. The fifth offensive tackle off the board, if I'm counting correctly. And a guy not necessarily picked to go this high in the draft. I think it's a very fortunate turn of events for the Ravens. Yeah, I threw his name out there, but yeah, it was, it was almost reluctantly because I was like, I like him. I just I just didn't know uh, that he would go at this spot. I figured he was going to go in the first round um, because he's, he's a, a young, talented guy. I think he's the youngest, I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, of these top tackles uh, who, who, who've gone so far. Um, had a really good 2018 um, at USC, you know, kind of prototypical left tackle. A uh, little bit down in 2018 in terms of his performance, but an interesting note about that, he donated bone marrow, I think, to his sister. Uh, over over the 2018 and 2019 offseason. And, you know, he, he he's never come out and used that as an excuse, but it's hard to imagine that that did not affect him, you know, going into the 2019 season. So um, that, that, that says a lot, you know, about the kind of person that he is. But, yeah, I, I think he's good mover, athletic, uh, pretty good length, I think. I don't think it's like super, super, you know, ridiculous length like Andrew Thomas, but I think it's pretty solid. So, uh, 34 and one eight, Austin Jackson in terms of arms, 10 and a quarter in terms of hands, 27 reps on the bench with those long arms is pretty damn good. Yeah. And I, I want to say he's 20, maybe, maybe turned 21 yeah, right. this year. Yeah. So very young guy, a uh, lot of upside. Uh, it's hard to, 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 and it's bad to throw around comparisons to, to college guys, you know, and comparing NFL guys who've been in the league and established themselves. But uh, reminds me of Tyron Jackson, uh, if I'm being perfectly honest. I see a little Tyron Jackson in the game. Uh, excuse me, Tyron Smith. I'm, I'm combining the guy's name, Tyron Smith, uh, for the Cowboys uh, in, in his game. I'm very excited about that pick. And I'm, now, I, now I'm really starting to get interested in how these next picks are affecting the Ravens. Look at Las Vegas at number 19. I think there's a pretty good chance we see either Murray or Queen, and I would guess probably Queen, come off the board here. I think that, that the Raiders probably are going to be more in love with what he can do physically than what Murray can do. 
but I would guess there's a pretty good chance one of those two guys is gone at this pick. And if it's one of those two, I lean toward Murray only because Mayock's there and he loves culture guys. He's big on guys who come in and can establish a winning uh, culture, you know, leaders in the locker room. And that's Murray all day. Not to say Queen's not, but I I definitely give the bump uh, to Murray in that department. Patrick Queen, a 4-5-40 in the 97th percentile linebackers, according to PFF here. Uh, Smaller size at 227. Uh, not exactly what you want, as I think the Ravens found out with uh, Owasso in terms of having a smaller guy at inside linebacker. But with that speed, I guess you put up with some of it. Good football player. And don't let me don't let me get down on these guys to the point where I think these are bad football players, Murray or Queen. Exactly. It's just a question of I don't really want them at 28, so I'd be thrilled if some other team takes them before 28. Yeah, exactly. They're good players. I mean, we're, I, 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 I couldn't agree with that point more like we're, we're not putting these down guys we're not putting these guys down in any respect uh you know a lot of it is, is just personal preference but you know these these are both really good players all of these guys who are going in the first round obviously are good players so uh this is just about you know you know preference and value and that kind of thing so yeah let's let's see what happens here with the way big Zen looks like now just just a couple surprises really so far i thought cg terrell or terrell was a was a surprise and now the the uh, the last offensive tackle off the board is a surprise, uh, but it's been a pretty you know as you use the word chalky first round so far. Yeah, quarter is the, the positions who you expect to go early went early. Quarterbacks went early. Offensive tackle went early. Uh, the, the wide receivers squeezed in there. They were projected to go early in, in this draft. Uh, at least two of them. So um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's kind of gone all true to form so far. Yeah, I don't, I don't know their needs. I don't obviously follow the, the Raiders as closely, but just, you know, hearing how much Mike Mayock talks about those those culture setters, uh, if he wants an inside linebacker, I, I got to think it's Murray. So what do you think's going on over at the, well, at the home? Not I was going to say the castle, but I guess no one's there. Do you think they are making calls trying to move up right now a few spots, or do you think they're pretty okay, happy with how the board's falling apart? Okay, guys, something just happened here. Damon Arnett mm. just got selected from Ohio State. Another, you know, board buster here in terms of uh, an oddball pick and provided again by the Las Vegas Raiders. Thank you, Mike Mayock. Yeah, now that one, I know I said I wasn't that surprised by A.J. Terrell going to the Falcons, but Damon, Ar- Damon Arnett going here, I am I am surprised by this. So. All right. All right, Damon Arnett. Let's look at his, uh, his measurables, 456.40. Uh, in the 45th percentile, he's 60195. They have got to love something about him. Uh, but it's not his speed, I don't think. Uh, no, he's a guy no, he, played primarily as a wide corner, not as a slot corner. Uh, this is interesting. This is very interesting. Uh, apparently, played with a cast on his hand last year, so uh, maybe that had something to do with a reduced production year. Uh, interesting pick. Yeah, he's he's a good corner now. I mean, he he played opposite Jeffrey Okuda at Ohio State, so you know 
he saw a lot of action. You know, a lot of a lot of people weren't going after Okuda, so that that only leaves the guy on the other side and the guys in the slot. So you know, he saw action. Uh, but but when I watched him, you know, yeah, he he he's not a, a blazer in terms of speed, particularly like recovery speed, makeup speed. Uh, but you know, very good impressed from what I remember. Uh, likes to get his hands on guys, like to try to control guys and redirect guys at the line of scrimmage. Uh, does a really good job of staying in phase, kind of staying in guys' hip pockets uh, as they as they move throughout the route. So, you know, good corner for sure. But um, I, I I guess I just I didn't see him going off the board at this point. No, very, very surprising here. Uh, boy, I don't I don't even know what to think about this. This is just one of the really shocking picks and. There have just been so many times it's been the Raiders in the past delivering on this last year, Cleveland Farrell in the last year. I think we lost you for a little bit, but Colton Miller, do I have the first name correct there? Which is that, which is that project offensive tackle they took in the mid teens or late teens. Yeah. Yeah. That's him. So they, they just, it's boy, it's the Raiders <laughs> and uh, is a surprising pick. Anyway, uh, definitely positive. If you like Murray, if you like queen, I think the chance just went way up that one of those two will be available at number 28 because the Raiders were certainly one of the teams. We saw the Saints and Eagles to draft yet. They're both uh, likely landing spots for an inside linebacker, so maybe they both take them uh, and don't look at other needs. But uh, but I think the chance of Murray or Queen dropping to 28 dr- uh, increased a lot if you like those guys. And I'm still loving the loving the fact uh, Chase on is still on the board here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's a little bit surprising to me that he's gotten to this point. Um, you know, the Jags, we'll see what they do here. But, um, you know, you, I think you've got the Jags, the Eagles, and the Vikings coming up next. And, and like you said, you could see any mix in that grouping. You could see Chase on. You could see one of the inside linebackers or both of the inside linebackers. You could see CeeDee Lamb. I mean, the Jags, maybe they want to add, you know, more pieces, uh, you know, around around Gardner Minshew. Uh, Gardner Minshew. Well, CeeDee uh, Lamb was already taken. He was taken oh, a couple right. so, but, but you could go with Justin, Justin Jefferson. <laughs> or, there you go. Yeah. Justin Jefferson, the next wide receiver on your chart, Michael? Yeah, yeah. If those top three guys are gone, uh, he, he, he'd be the, the next guy for me. And I should have known to defer to our Jags insider. If anybody's going to know what – uh, who has the heartbeat? I'm, I'm it's trying. Josh. It's, it's Josh. If, if, if <laughs> I get Josh. if I get too right for the Jags, then I've learned too much by not paying attention. I think you, I think you may have called it. I would not be surprised if it's Justin Jefferson. I, I think uh, you're a wide go receiver makes a wide receiver makes a lot of sense for him, and that's the next guy up. So, okay, what yeah. about uh, going back to quarterback here at number twenty? It's a position we talked about Jacksonville possibly taking earlier in this draft. But is is it now not too early to take Jordan Love now that they waited from nine to twenty? Yeah, no, I don't think it's too early. Uh, if if you're not totally sold on Minshew and you know you 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 want to bring in another guy, I mean, certainly from a talent standpoint, from a physical talent standpoint, uh, Jordan Love definitely has an advantage over Minshew. I mean, Min, Minshew look, he played well, he came in and did some nice things, but he doesn't have the kind of arm and, and can't make the kind of throws. That Jordan Love can can make so. Oh, but the uh, but the fans are all in love with Minshew down here. They do love Minshew. You got Minshew mania. So yeah, it, it, there's lots of I see lots of Minshew mania T-shirts and stickers on cars and uh, the tire covers on the back of Jeeps down here. It's all Minshew mania down here. So if uh, if they move away from him, people have some new gear they're gonna have to buy. <laughs> they're gonna have all of that mustache gear. What are they gonna do with all that stuff? 
You know, another guy who could be taken at this point would be um, Blacklock or one of the one yeah. of the defensive linemen to the Jaguars uh, yeah. if they are sold at safety. So, you know, wide receiver is possible, but I don't know who they would like in the first round. I like five guys approximately equal in round two after Kinlaw and Brown. So I don't I wouldn't see them necessarily as liking one more than the other. But uh, Blacklock's a popular player. He is explosive, explosive guy uh, from the defensive tackle position. I, I I tweeted out a clip the other day of him uh, chasing down a play outside on the on the perimeter from you know he he's a defensive tackle so he, he lines up in an interior spot and there was a linebacker aligned outside of him right uh, closer to that play and he darn near beat the linebacker out there uh, to make that play. The only thing that slowed him down was there was a tight end who tried to come in and block down on him, and he absolutely destroyed that dude. That's the only thing that slowed him down on his way out there. So just in terms of, of an explosive mover from an interior you know, defensive lineman, uh, he, he's, he's probably uh, at the top of that list for me. Um, you know, Justin Matabuke from Texas A&M, he, he's in that category too, but but I probably give Blacklock uh, the edge uh, between okay, those. Matt, Matt Aguke is my guy of the five uh, that I liked the best, I believe. And I, to, I, I just sent in my notes for this the other night. I want to make sure I'm, I'm reporting it as I did. Well, Jordan Elliott, too, has not been selected yet, so he'd be another guy in there. And I like Blackmore, Gallimore, and Davidson being my five round two guys that would be just fine. Yep, like all those guys, too. All right. calls on all of the, yeah, it's hard to know which way the Jags are going to go. We got, we're we counting on Josh. All right, we're all watching this on mute, so sometimes we're not able to uh, lip-read what Goodell's saying and stuff. He had a slip-up right before the Vegas pick where he announced that Las Vegas would host the 2020 draft, mm-hmm. which clearly Means was wrong. <laughs> no, so the Raiders just tweeted an update. They are hosting the 2022 so 2021 was probably already assigned, so they're next in line for 2022 to make up okay. for this year. I really shouldn't say this because it's such a potential for a jinx, but Mel Kuyper's big board has Xavier McKinney at the top. I would basically agree for the Ravens among the remaining teams, forgetting what other needs occur. Xavier McKinney would be a fantastic player to have. It's Kalevon Chason off the board at last at outside linebacker. So Jax does not take one of the Ravens' safeties. Uh, which also would have been a possibility here. What can you tell us about Chase on? Uh, so again, it's about the physical traits with him. Um, you know, you, he's 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 got the size. I want to say he's right in that two fifty, two sixty range. Uh, maybe six two, six three. I don't have it right up in front of me, but just kind of what I remember. But um, you know, explosive first step. Uh, you just see the traits. I, I, I'm, I'm almost having, you know, a lack of a better way to describe it because you don't necessarily see a real polished and, and refined technique every time uh, he, he's out there, particularly as a pass rush. But he, he he throws a lot of moves at guys. You'll see him throw a long arm stand. You'll see him try to inside spin. You'll see him try double hand swipe. He'll, he'll throw a lot of moves at guys. So when I say not refined or polished, it's not that he doesn't have moves. It's just the sequencing, the timing. Um, you know, kind of putting them together, putting them together so that he has a coherent plan. That's kind of what I mean. But just from a physical standpoint, can rush the passer, drop into coverage a fair amount at LSU, 
uh, and can and can play the run too. I mean, he talked about that at the combine. He said he speaks three different languages. So uh, <laughs> you know, pass rush coverage and, and, and defending the run. Uh, so you know, that's 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 certainly something that you like to hear, right? About an outside linebacker thing. What well, one thing I'm just watching the highlights here, and it looks like he's very good playing with one arm on the tackle. And is is doing a very good job of keeping an arm free, and that's a trait you really look for in guys who want to play the run well from the edge. You know, they they they're able to keep one arm. Usually, you can do it with either arm, so they can go left to right or right to left. Uh, but they understand the concept that they're that they're longer with one arm than they are with two. And when they face that longer armed offensive tackle, they're able to hold them off still and dictate first contract by getting sideways. Yep, and. By all accounts, when you you hear the reports from his coaches down there, one of the the headier guys on the team in terms of uh, you know on defense, in terms of understanding the defense, and uh, don't quote me on this, but there's some significance to the number 18 at LSU. I forget what it is, but they don't give it out to just anybody. It kind of has to be earned, and I, I forget what the what the the basis is for earning that number. But that that's what he's got on his back there. So. Um, you know, there's there's some significance from from you know the coaching staff in terms of awarding him that number. Okay, so the Eagles are up at number 21. They have made the pick. They've kept it. Got to be a pretty good chance they're going inside linebacker here. Although they there's certainly other players who have dropped a little bit further in this draft. Um, what do you think the Eagles might be thinking at number 21? Well. I, I think they'd like to add some some more speed at wide receiver. I mean, you know, Deshaun Jackson is still there, but he's he's coming off of a, a of an injury sort of spotted uh, last year. But outside of that, um, you know, Alshon, JJ Arcega, Whiteside, who they had last time, uh, who, who they picked last year, uh, the two tight ends that they had there, uh, a lot of bigger body type guys, but not a ton of speed there. Uh, so maybe a guy like Jalen Rager. Uh, you know, could 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 show up here. I know some people are kind of projecting him in the second round, but I saw a lot of buzz in the last couple of days over him possibly going up in the first round. Um, so you know, he he could be a pick there, or it could be one of the inside linebackers. Okay, pick is in at number twenty-one. What we want you to do again, if you're online, go ahead and and shoot us on Twitter who you think will be the Ravens' pick as of right now at number twenty-eight. Want to hear who you think, given how the board has fallen, some of the surprises we've had so far. Looks like they're at Justin Jefferson's house, and the phone is ringing right now. So you're looking pretty good on your call there, I think, uh, Michael. Well, Eagle fans were very upset to see CD not be around for them, so it makes sense that they're looking for the same position. Yeah, there's a there's a, a couple couple Eagles fans. Uh, up near me and um, you know they were kind of hoping for Henry Ruggs to get there they really didn't think Lamb had any any chance of getting there and actually got kind of close but they were hoping for Henry Ruggs obviously he he went even earlier um, but kind of their consolation prize the way they term it is they said well you know the Justin Jefferson guy he's pretty good uh, we'd be pretty happy with him <laughs> so let's see if that well you guys probably know ahead of me I'm like I said, I got some lag on my end. Still waiting. We'll see. Uh, let's see. Dylan checks in that he hopes the Ravens get Queen. Uh, Dr. Bulldozer, who is Will Brown, who joined us a few months ago for the Terrell Suggs short. Uh, sounds like he was pretty upset uh, with the last pick. Yeah, 
that he wanted Chase on. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's probably not alone in that. All right, they're taking their they're taking their sweet time to to let us know who the Eagles have drafted tonight. Not surprising, right? That's how it's been going. <laughs> they just picked up a little bit, though, right? A little bit, yeah. I mean, yeah, not much, not much. <laughs> all right, I think we're on pace now to finish before midnight. We were not on that pace earlier. All right, back on track. So like that. Um, all right, you got the pick, Ken. No, Goodell's just announcing it right now, and he's blithering about something else. I assume we we have to lip read our way through this part since we need to keep the you don't, sound. You don't have closed captioning on. Oh no, I should probably do that. Oh yeah, that helps a lot. I'll do what they did on Friends, and I'll have SAP on my screen for the rest of time if I uh, try to put the closed captioning on. All right, Nalen Rigor of TCU, so ahead of Jefferson, and even after they showed Jefferson in his house. Jalen Rigor is the selection. Hey, there we go. Another name. I kind of just threw it out there, but there we go. There we go. Uh, he's out there. Uh, I, I, I've got some friends of mine, particularly one of uh, my co-hosts on the Deep Cover Pods, Chris, Chris Aguilera, who's been on your show. And he, yep. He's a huge Jalen Rigor fan. So I know this is really a painful moment for Chris uh, if you're listening out there. He also uh, does a live stream during the draft. So I can imagine he, he's very disappointed right now. Rigor is a shorter guy at 5'11", 206. He's one of the guys that I put in the Sneed classification in terms of kind of built like a safety. And a lot of what the Ravens would need out of a wide receiver is the ability to do some good run blocking, which presumably he could do still at that size in level two and level three. He's thick, uh, but still very speedy and uh, ran a 447 40. Uh, now, the really explosive jumps, 42-inch vertical, 5'11", oh, yeah. oh, yeah. no problem. He, he would dunk a basketball with ease um, with a 42-inch yeah. And uh, yeah. 11 on the broad as well. So it's a very explosive player. And that shows up on tape when you're watching. Uh, and you can see that that's the way that TCU wanted to use him. It was all about getting the ball in his hands quickly. So a lot of quick screens, bubble screens. Uh, just get the ball in his hand, let him use that explosive ability, let him use that size, that strong, compact build to run through contact, break tackles. Uh, you know, really, really good in the in the return game in terms of a kick returner. Um, you know, can can make plays down the field for sure, uh, particularly with double moves. I mean, he's absolutely lethal with double moves. Uh, so, you know, his, his, his game is all about speed and explosion. And I felt like that was something that the Eagles were lacking. And uh, apparently they felt they felt the same way. All right, this is – we're getting fairly close to the Ravens' pick here now. The Ravens are seventh now of the remainder. So Minnesota picking at 22 on the clock with 345 to go. And, you know, I think – there's a pretty good chance one of those two safeties is going to be available. I think there is now a very good chance that AJ Epinesa is going to make it to 28 because there's some other, uh, you know, players that we have in our names for, including Murray and Queen, uh, still on the board potentially to be taken between 22 and 27. Uh, kind of hard for me to exactly handicap this at this point, given some of the surprises the um, the Raiders and the Eagles have thrown in. Uh, to this so far, how do you how do you see this breaking down? Who do you think Minnesota is going for? Let's let's take it one at a time. Picks in, by the way. Oh wow, okay, so better be quick there. Um, 
I might have leaned towards wide receiver uh, if Jefferson was still on the board. Obviously, they still have Adam Thielen there, but they lost Stephon Diggs. Um, I think they're pretty well set at linebacker with um, Eric Kendricks and I think Anthony Barr is still out there. So I don't know if they'll go in that direction. Um, maybe a defensive tackle. You talked about Blacklock and Matabuke, guys like that earlier, or maybe one of the safeties. Uh, but I could also see a corner for them because, you know, uh, I don't think Xavier Rhodes is there. I forget exactly where he went, but I don't think he's there anymore. And uh, their other corner went to the Bengals. I know that. I can't remember his name, but he's with the Bengals now. So corner could be something they look at here too. I'm going with Jefferson cause, since he's still on the board, surprisingly. That's probably a very good bet. There you go. See, I'm glad I have that. I can't keep up trying to look at these two phones. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, looking at one phone and talking on the other. Well, my plan is to always pick the same guy until he's gone. <laughs> then eventually you'll be right. Broken clock is right. right? At least twice a day. You're going to get there. <laughs> so I'm thinking about the corners uh, who might still be available. It's, I'm kind of thrown off now because there's some guys who went that I didn't necessarily think were going to were gonna go where they went. So Terrell's gone. Uh, I didn't see Arnett going in there. But uh, Jeff Gladney from TCU, uh, really good corner, uh, who, 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 you know, could maybe go here if they're if they're looking at Christian Fulton. Christian Fulton has not. Oh been yeah, there and, you uh, go. Yeah, Utah would be another one. There you go. Yep, those are two also very good players. So they decided to go in that direction. I, I think it's got to be a good thing if the if the Vikings take a corner. It might even be a better thing if they take a wide receiver for the Ravens to get the you know a defensive player to fall into their lap. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm trying to think of, of who among the remaining teams here is going to be likely to take – is where I want to go. I want to go to here. Um, so New England at 23 might get their shot at Jordan Love. That's been highly speculated upon. And so with Minnesota only the 22nd pick right now, I think Jordan Love is looking like a pretty good chance at number 23. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's somebody they could be very interested in at that pick. and. Um, could be some other teams interested. (laughs) We've got some conversation with the Ravens uh, at twenty three in the on Twitter, where Rich and Dan both think that the Ravens are going to be calling New England, trying to jump up to that slot. Okay, who do they want to draft? Uh, Rich wants McKinney. Okay, that'd be a great pick. There, there's two guys. I mean, McKinney and Delpit are both available. So if the Ravens are fairly ambivalent to the two, there's a good chance they're going to get one of them. If they really want McKinney, who I think is the better of the two, and Michael, I think you said the same thing, they might have to go up and get him because there are probably a couple of teams here. Minnesota might be one who would take him, and Miami possibly be another who would take him. Miami's got lots of needs, so – you know, it's, it's going to be hard to handicap exactly what they take. Deadspin is yeah. reporting that the Patriots just traded their pick to the Chargers. Ooh, ooh. look at no, in no information yet. Mm. So basically, right. you're giving away a spoiler there because the well, the Vikings pick is in, so it hasn't been announced yet. So we haven't given any names up, <coughs> right? But we want to kind of avoid, well, whatever. Give, well, that's, give the, that, that's a trade, not a pick. Fair enough. They weren't going to. I guess that would have been a real quick announcement after this. Do you have the pick? Do you have the trade 
selection announcement that goes with that or just that they traded it? Let's see. Traded the pick to the Chargers who gave up a second and third round pick to move up. Don't have any more information than that. That's from Adam Schefter. Okay, so the Chargers are drafting at 37 and then again at 71. A total value of 765, completely in line with the 760 New England traded. So a pretty classic move by New England to trade back into round two and three and give up their first round pick. i got to think the Chargers already got Justin Herbert, so actually I don't know who they're taking at number 23. Yeah. Maybe they took their quarterback. Does New England feel they can get love at number 37 now? I don't know. That seems like a little little possibly risky business because is 37 in front of the Colts? Isn't the Colts at like 34 or something? Well, yeah, the Colts are at 34, but also the fifth-year options are all ahead of them. And, and you know, teams That's that true. Are- so here's the selection for the Vikings. Justin Jefferson goes to the Vikings. There it so is. There it good is. Prediction, guys. Now the pick cool. that was in the Lunes has been traded. We don't we don't have draft compensation. No, we did we did have draft compensation that made complete sense. A second and a third for a first really makes complete sense. Will be oh, interesting. Uh, I bet you're going to say the same thing. <laughs> no, no, go ahead, go ahead. I think I got something different. Go ahead. Third in the punt, pass, and kick national championships at age nine for Justin Jefferson. <laughs> no, yeah, you you got me. I was I wasn't going to say that. I was I was going to talk about Spielman. Uh, he wouldn't do it here in the first round. He's not where he's projected to go. But having an opportunity to draft his son, <laughs> who's in this draft, that that would be pretty interesting. He has an adopted son who played uh, wide receiver at Wisconsin, uh, huh. and I, yeah, and I don't know if he if he if he has a draftable grade on him or not. He, he might he might go as a UDFA, but uh, he he certainly you know somebody in in his class who's who's probably going to land on a team at some point. So I just I remember that story, and I'd always wondered that there ever been a GM who had an opportunity to to draft uh, a child. Uh, <laughs> so it'd be pretty interesting. Well, so far, one of the things that we've noticed this year is the trades that have occurred, and I guess there's been three so far, have all been very tight matches on JJ point values. So some of the notions that, hey, we ought to look at flatter valuations from Chase Young or Rich Hill, they really haven't been coming true so far in this draft. It's all been right along JJ lines. Yeah, people people really seem to adhere to that. And it's not I, I was reading a little bit about the history of it now. It's really not based on a lot of tangible sort of uh-huh. stuff, right? I mean, they were sort of looking at a way to kind of make the market a little more even, right? Just just assign some kind of value, some kind of price to it, so people weren't getting fleeced. Um, but beyond that, there's there's not a whole lot of like you know science behind it, right? No, and and it it hasn't kept up with the rules of the CBA. So, you know, when, when the 50-year option came around, there was no adjustment to the J.J. point values. They don't have any cliff at the end of the first first round, which they should have. So just it's a little surprising the way it uh, it's it's stayed the same all these years and is still a good yardstick that NFL teams seem to use. Yeah, it's good to test the time. But I guess in some ways that's probably not surprising for the NFL, right? I mean, they, they, they certainly like to hold on to things. 
Okay, Chargers have their pick in at number 23, and we have no real idea of who the guy is here, right? I really don't. Uh, I don't know who they could have moved up to take. I mean, the tackles are going, by and large. Um, I can't think of a corner that jumps off the top of my head. Diggs is still out there, right? Oh, no. he is. The corner, yeah, from Alabama. Tra- Trayvon Diggs. Yeah. yeah, he's out there. So, yeah, this will be interesting to see. Okay, so, so where, is, where, where'd they move? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. It's it's as reported in terms of the trade. That's all I want to say. Go ahead, Michael. I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, I was going to ask you, do you know where they – I couldn't I, – I didn't see where they moved up from. Oh, it's uh, they were at 37. So so the Patriots got 37 and another pick at about 70 or so, maybe a little bit before. Hold on, I'll tell you. Um, number 71. 37 and 71 go to the go to the um, Patriots in exchange for for uh, 23. Classic Patriots. <laughs> we're going to need another bio break after this pick, but it's starting to get very exciting. If you want an inside linebacker for the Ravens, if you think that's the that's the player, and you know Michael and I differ on this, it does look like he'll be available at number. I think you're jinxing it. Well, I'm intentionally jinxing it. It's like, oh, this pitcher's got a no hitter going when you're talking about the opponent. <laughs> I think yeah, so. I like the players. I like the players. I, I try to be clear with that when I've, I've had these these discussions with people on Twitter. I like the players. Whether it's the need, the priority need, that's another conversation. I don't know how I feel about that per se, but I like the players. All right, so still waiting on this Chargers pick. Quick commercial break after this one. Uh, yeah, Okay. that sounds good. That way we can... Jordan Love, I think we're looking into his room. I don't think he's the pick necessarily. But do, no, that is not the reports I'm seeing. Oh, that's right. You know, but you're you're holding. You're you're, here, you're uh, adhering to our no tip rule. Not oh, really. I, I, I saw some. I saw some chatter, and when I find chatter, it means I can prepare our stream with the ah, name. Okay. So, Kenneth Murray off the board to the Chargers at 23. They trade up to get him. I can see it. I can definitely see it. He just. Especially Anthony Lynn. I mean, that 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 fits for me too. Um, you know, again, uh, very athletic guy. Um, you know, great guy in the locker room. You think about some of the guys that they've got out there on defense, right? Think about Bosa, Ingram, and um, I'm, I'm blank. Uh, James, and now you add another, you know, explosive, fast dude on that defense. I mean, I I like it. I like what they're doing out there. I don't like it for the Ravens. But, but I like what I mean in terms of comp, in terms of you know competing you know with them right. in the AFC. Uh, but 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 I like what they're doing on defense. Okay, quick break. We'll be back in about two minutes here, Josh, and we'll uh, we'll pick up with the next pick. Orleans on the clock with a little under six to go. All right. Thank you. 
Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.